Hello, everyone. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out ways to make your life a little more interesting. From Longmont, Colorado, I am your host, James Barrett, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Michael DeRogers in Bangkok, Thailand. Are you <laughs> Are you settled? Are you all settled now? For the most part, we're unpacked fully. Good. Good. So that's good. I don't remember if we were last time we talked. Mm, um, apologies to anyone. My voice decided <laughs> to be weird all of a sudden. <laughs> so it was fine all day. And then as soon as it's like. <laughs> that's going to be gross to listen to. <laughs> mm-hmm. ASMR. What is the opposite the of ASMR? <laughs> on this show. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been going. I mean, still haven't really done much. Honestly, it's been kind of trying to get settled in and yeah, lay the land, well, that kind of thing. But have you done anything new or adventurous? I tried a new restaurant. Okay, like, all right, yeah. I got well, and I got Hawaiian food. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you yes. had some Hawaiian food in uh, in Colorado. How was it? It was good. Nice. I've had Hawaiian food a couple times, not from this place. Yeah, I had spare ribs and chicken. Okay, and rice and mac salad in a spam masubi all right sounds hawaiian to me it was delicious Um, culinary adventures i love it culinary adventures yeah and you know i just want to take a minute to apologize to everyone expecting me to be doing something it is when you when you move it it takes a long time to like i think it's understandable swing of things yeah yeah and to be fair we actually just recorded like two days ago so also (laughs) it hasn't been very long since we last spoke on the podcast either i know but it feels like a long time because it's like two weeks between episodes but it hasn't been we need to so. like do stuff and we get it i know i know i do this i definitely like do things and just backlog them well you just gotta like write it down because if we yeah. record like two episodes in a week i'm not necessarily gonna do true or those few times we've recorded more than one in a day well that was like when we were trying to get ready for before your move when you're we trying to get ahead you're oh like, yeah well. <laughs> like, well it was yesterday so <laughs> yeah but anyway um, so you know i've I've tried a new nice. restaurant tried a new pizza place tried a new cool. a lot of new food what was the restaurant you want to shout out that hawaiian restaurant the restaurant was kona hawaiian grill yeah well we've talked about before about how food is such a great way of sort of expanding your horizons and and learning about a different mm-hmm. country and culture as well i think it's great so yeah. what about you what did um, you do this week a couple things actually when you talked about that that reminded me uh you had you had hawaiian food in colorado and i had some tennessee food here i had some hot chicken in bangkok uh, you got a national a, hot chicken there's a restaurant called foul mouth f-o-w-l mouth and they have been in the news a lot recently they've gotten really good reviews and uh, they're kind of a little bit far from where i live but i was in that part of town and so we were like, hey, let's go get some hot chicken. And it was really good. I have some pictures here I can share with you as well. Uh, they have the original hot chicken sandwich, which is like the classic, and then uh, hot chicken and waffles with maple butter, which was just phenomenal. And they had like uh, different levels of spice. You could order like mild, medium, hot, very hot, and death. Death was made with Carolina Reaper, and I'm like, I'm not going for that. So I got <laughs> – I went for hot right in the middle. And it was it was good. It was it was hot, but it was good. Had an Arnold, looks Arnold Palmer. It looks like – as well it looks like what you'd get here if you're in bangkok and you're in the mood for some <laughs> some hot oh, chicken if they had a website they have an instagram <laughs> yeah they have a facebook and instagram i think i don't think they actually have a website so who how did this come to be hang on there's an article on the bangkok uh, B, on bk magazine let me see bk magazine 
that's an interesting thing you know what i mean no it doesn't have the history here it just says it's brought to us by the same owner as chew chocolate bar and cafe okay who owns chew chocolate bar now we're deep diving here <laughs> yeah you gotta deep dive it hmm. oh chew chocolate bar and cafe looks really good as well i mean that looks like a taste of I don't home know. It doesn't say, you know, what I mean? I, you know what it was though? It was like, man, America, like I love Thai food and I eat Thai food 99% of the time. I don't usually get like cravings, but like, that was really good, James. That was really good. Hot, the hot chicken and waffles with the maple butter was just incredible. I don't know. I don't know the story. I don't know if it's owned by an American guy. I don't know if it's like somebody that studied abroad in Nashville, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little. You're doing a deep dive here. Yeah. I'm doing a little deep dive. I saw I saw a picture on their Instagram of them like buttering biscuits and you should do biscuits. <laughs> Honey butter biscuits. It is owned by uh, Chirayu Narenong. It's a Thai guy. Interesting. I kind I of expected if... an expat because hot chicken's kind of all over the place right now. <laughs> they cater the U.S. embassy party. That, that would be fun. Oh, I've yeah. never gotten to go to an embassy party. Can you just go? I guess. Well, actually, that's not really true. I went to a... um. Remembrance Day ceremony or service, I guess, at the British Embassy. But I've never been to a U.S. party, and that was also like a, a very somber moment, you know. Solemn <laughs> occasions. Yeah. You know what's interesting to me is they definitely went for like American portions as well. Oh yeah. I'll say one thing. I know America gets a lot of crap on how much food we eat mm-hmm. in a certain sitting. It's great. Don't come at me. It's well, especially the drink. Look at the drink. Like a lot of times yeah. in Thailand, when you when you sit down for a drink, it's like. A little like drink. Yeah, or you'll order water and they'll bring like one bottle of water for your table. It's like, do people not drink here? It is so hot all the time. How do you not yeah, just yours, like, I'm just drinking water all day, James. Cup. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, now I'm hungry. Oh, and Dang. the aesthetic as well. The aesthetic with the like checkered, you know, the mm-hmm. checkered pattern. It's very American. Very American. Very like yeah. trendy, cool American. And an Arnold Palmer. Almost. I mean, that's a very specific thing. That's like not, that's not a drink that's like known here. I'm still deep diving. I found an article from Bangkok Post. What's new with Chu? It's about Chu Chirayu Na Renong. It doesn't, but it doesn't say anything about him. It just talks about his restaurants. Maybe he's just a guy. Yeah, just a, a guy who loves good food. I mean, that's not unheard of. I mean, you can, no. you know, you can make good Thai food if you're not Thai. You can make good hot chicken if you've. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things is I'm, I'm still on their Instagram and just like uh, people commenting. <laughs> what are they saying? Oh, they're just everyone seems happy. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was really good. It was one of the best meals I've had recently. I've been eating mostly street food, which I love. I absolutely love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those expats who's like only eating, you know, burgers and stuff like that. Like I, I do eat the local food probably I 29 days like, out of the month. <laughs> every every picture they have of like people waiting in line. It's all like cool people. Which yeah. me up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed when we were there. Everyone had like oh, tattoos man, and like dyed hair <laughs> i have both those things and i'm still a loser <laughs> it was like the artsy crowd of bangkok anyway that's fun yeah. my new passport came in finally which means i can finally kind of go out and do stuff again i was a little bit wary of going out and about too much i mean i went mm-hmm. out and about but in thailand you're supposed to carry your passport with you at all times i never do i don't know anyone that does because that seems kind of dumb if you get like pickpocketed or something you're supposed to like if the police stop you and they want to see your id I always figured like, okay, fine, I'll just go home and get it if they really need it. But my passport has been at the embassy and uh, I've been, you know, trying to renew it, but it finally came in. So I got my new passport. I actually did opt for the passport card as well, just for a little extra ID to have in my wallet. So I've never had one of those before, but. um, Is that, is the passport card recognized internationally? 
I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be used here as an ID. I'm sure. I'm sure they use it as an ID. You can't travel with it. You can only travel to right. um, Mexico, Canada, and the Caribbean with it. I don't think you can go anywhere else. Yeah, but, you know, I think that's right. And it's good to have. It. And you just keep in your wallet if someone's like, "Hey, where's your passport?" Yeah. You'll be like, and "Here's it's a, my passport card." And I can always like fly with that if my driver's license expires or something while I'm here, and I don't right. have that. So right. kind of an adventure and bureaucracy. And now I have to go to the uh, immigration department and transfer my visa over to my new passport. So it's just a How's that? How's that? It's not. I've I've done that before. I just have to do that. It doesn't cost anything but time. You just got to go in there and give them the oh, two okay. passports, and they'll just stamp it over. Not a big deal. Well, that's not but too bad. St- still. I don't know, man. The um, the immigration office, it's been really nice recently since I've not been here on a work visa. I've been here on a marriage visa, and I've just been leaving every three months for a new visa. Since COVID, I haven't had to go there. During COVID, I had to go there a lot. It is, it's just something that people in Bangkok have to deal with. If I lived in another province, it would be so much easier. Here's the building that we have to go to, this government building. It is the most imposing sort of, here, I'm sending you some pictures just so you can get an idea of, of what the heck we have to deal with. i mean there's shops and stuff in there you can walk around and and there's like a there's a food court and there's like a good japanese restaurant that has like gelato and um i mean it's got this is not just the immigration building this has and this is the government building it's got all these different government ministries there it looks so um like the water outside is nice yeah it's right on the river i guess it's just no it's a pond it's just like a moat (laughs) it looks very I got nothing. Bureaucratic? <laughs> yeah. It looks like yeah. something... Um, like 1984? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. I used to have to it's go there every dystopian. 90 days. It is. I used to have to go there every 90 days for my 90-day check. It's not horrible once you're in there. I mean, people complain about the bureaucracy here. The thing is, if you have everything you need, it, it's fine. Everything works. The problem is what you need changes from time to time, and they don't always tell you as much as they should. I usually try to go there at like 5 a.m. because they open the doors at 6. That way I can get my early queue number. I can go get a coffee, and then like at 8, I'm like number 3, you know, and I can just be done. Uh, That's what I was doing during COVID just to avoid people, and that was great. Then I was just done in like 10 minutes. When I was working at the school, we used to have to go to do our 90-day checks, and we'd meet at the school, and we'd all ride over together, and we'd get there around 9, and then we were like queue number like, 150 and we had to wait until after lunch and it just took all day so i'm probably just gonna wake up real early tomorrow head on over there and and try to get it done as fast as i can (laughs) it's an adventure i guess it would be if you lived in a different province what's the difference you know what i was uh when i was on kosi chong a couple weeks ago i saw this government office the immigration department it was just like a little one building oh it's just like if think um, about how many foreigners live on like there versus here i mean this is immigration mm -hmm. it's only for foreigners like even patia oh yeah it's just like how um, if you want to go to the DMV, if you try, if you drive a little bit to a small little town, you're in and out real quick. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my adventure. Oh, Call boy. it. An, it's an adventure. The hot I'm chicken's not, fun. Hot chicken was fun. Yeah, man. And I haven't been to Changwatina since COVID. I haven't been there in years. So I'm like, ugh, I thought I was over this. I don't, I don't want to deal with this kind of stuff anymore. Oh, it's boy. life. It's expat life. Everyone acts like it's so glamorous and it's not. A lot of bureaucracy. <laughs> so much bureaucracy. Today, Michael, you and I are going to talk a little bit about traveling for spiritual reasons. Yes. Or spiritual experiences while traveling. But before that, I just wanted to remind everyone to like and share, spread the word. It helps us a lot the more people we get listening. 
Uh, we got our Kofi page, which I always forget what that is. Kofi.com slash attempt adventure. I don't know why I forget that. I always <laughs> I think there's like a is. number or something, but every <laughs> time I forget it. There you can donate to us if you so choose. We will never lock anything behind a paywall. We're never going to mm-hmm. do anything like that. You can buy us a coffee, buy us a, a water bottle, buy us a beer, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. If you want something specific, I don't know, tell us. Yeah, well, as long as yeah, it's not like us, gross, we'll, we'll drink it. Yeah. It, <laughs> I'm going to put a caveat on there. I still do it. <laughs> anyway. So, Michael, you live in a very spiritual place. Yes, Thailand is the probably known, Thailand known is a, for that. And a lot of people go to Thailand, I would say both Westerners, which is my experience, mm-hmm. and probably worldwide, I don't know, seeking a kind of spiritual experience. They come here to eat, pray, and love. In that order, probably. Well, mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. the demographic. There's the certainly demographic a demographic of Westerner that comes here to love, eat, and pray. Love, eat, and pray. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. <laughs> we won't dwell on that. We'll get into that too much. That's a Continue. different episode. <laughs> so I want to know kind of your thoughts on it. You yourself were raised as I was in a very, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, we were raised religious, but not like conservatively hyper-religious. We were not evangelical by any no. stretch of the imagination. We went to a pretty progressive church especially nowadays mm-hmm. the church nowadays is, is extremely progressive and we were not raised in a super homogeneously evangelical area either i mean growing no. up in school i had friends from you know lots of different religions we had a lot of uh, muslim students at my school at martin mm-hmm. high school for example so but yeah i think we would we were certainly exposed to a lot of religion growing up for sure but it's not like we grew up in some little town that where there's like one church and everyone goes there and that's your whole worldview right and i don't know we we've never really we haven't really talked about this Mm-hmm. anytime lately i don't know your views on things now i know that they would have had to have evolved certainly changed yeah. since yeah i living mean where you live for, well for sure well first of all in college they they definitely did um when all that nonsense was going on with the methodist church i was like you know i don't think that's all cool of course they're a lot cooler now that they split and they kick those other guys out um mm-hmm. but i i went ahead and just like you know what i'm going to join the episcopal church i like their their stances i like their you know affirming stances i like that women can be bishops and you know gay people can be bishops and it's fine and just how open they were about everything and just like they're right. kind of like you can believe what you want to believe it's all cool <laughs> that's what that i like about the episcopal they're, they're the church. cooler yeah. ones yeah, and Buddhism is really similar. I mean, if you actually get down into the nitty-gritty, the actual um the beliefs and the actual theology of Buddhism and and Christianity, it's really not that different. If right. I'm being entirely honest. And I think a lot of religions probably are. Love how, love your neighbors, take care of people, be kind. Mm, that's how it should be. That's, that's not how it all is, but that's how it should be. Of course. That's kind of how I look at it now. You know, for me, kind of the same thing. You know, I years ago left the church. I I, I don't belong to a church. I don't know what yeah. I am. I, I believe in higher power. I believe that we're here for a reason. Now, what that means, I don't know. But I'm comfortable with that. But I also know that experiencing other types of spirituality can be very rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some people that are Christians or mm-hmm. raised Christian might get fairly nervous around, especially Eastern religion. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I have a kind of a unique perspective as well, because my wife was raised Buddhist, you know, and her mm-hmm. family is Buddhist. And, you know, her grandmother is a Buddhist scholar even. So it's uh, I have a lot of exposure to uh, to that as well. I don't know what I'm getting at here. I kind of lost the train of thought, but it doesn't matter. Um, we're just we're just talking now. Yeah, there doesn't necessarily have to be a point because I know when I've been to Thailand, no one is unlike some other places. No one is like you can't 
you can do the rituals, you can go in the temples, you can do all these things. And as long as you're respectful and and do what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. it's not viewed so much to some people. It, it most certainly is very, very religious for someone like me. It can be a spiritual experience without it being a religious experience. Right. And not only can you do it, it's encouraged. You're welcome to. I mean, I've been to some places and I understand this as well, where outsiders are not permitted to participate. Mm-hmm. I think I've probably talked before in Bali. The Hindu temples in Bali are only for people that live on the island. If you are a foreigner, even if you're Hindu, you can't go in. And you know, it's it's just their thing, right? Usually churches are pretty open. Usually mosques are pretty open. But Buddhist temples are pretty much always open for anyone to, mm-hmm. to come in and visit no matter what. And they just don't, they genuinely just don't care. I read a book before I came here, a book about about Thailand. And it was written by this professor, kind of like what you need to know before you come here. And he was talking about how in Thailand to be considered a man, most boys undergo a period of ordination at some point in their life. And I, I saw this at school all the time. You know, the kids would come back from summer holiday and they'd, they'd be bald. And I would be like, hey, how was your summer? And they would say, oh yeah, it was great. I became a monk. You know, and maybe it's just two weeks or something like that. But it's just sort of a rite of passage. And this professor was saying, like, sometimes in the rural places in Thailand, even Christian boys will just do it just because it's just considered a rite of passage to be a man, to ordain as a monk for a Mm -hmm. period. And and, uh, a woman doesn't want to marry you unless you're a man. And so you become a monk before your wedding for a couple of weeks. And and it's just normal. You know, it doesn't matter what your actual belief is here. It's very open. It is. And it's it's interesting to me, a place like that being feeling as open as it does Mm -hmm. to where no one... No one cares what your, I'm sure some people do, but that's, that's everywhere. Yeah. But overall, no one for a, for a country that is as spiritual and as religious as Thailand. Yeah. Is. 95% Buddhist, very um, much like the majority. Whereas the, the government and the government and religion and the monarchy are all kind of intertwined with each other in a way that most Westerners don't understand. For some place like that, most of the time when you hear that, it, it's very much like uh, freedom of religion doesn't really exist. Yeah, we're not talking about like Iran. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> um, but in Thailand, there's Christian churches. There's, oh, yeah, yeah. They're building a Mormon temple. There's they all are. these sorts of things. And legitimately, no one, no one cares. And I will say that the actually the monarchy here has one of the titles is like defender of religions, plural. And actually, a lot of those churches are built on grounds that were donated by the monarchy 100 years ago, something like that. Uh, I know that Christ Church, the Anglican Church, certainly is. I believe the cathedral is as well, the Catholic cathedral. Yeah, and it's just the way it is here. It's, it's not seen as any kind of conflict, really. And I know I'm probably simplifying that by saying that. Yeah, I'm sure I there mean, is conflict somewhere. We, we, but... are not, we are not scholars. No. <laughs> and our experience, my experience is very limited, but I know here, a lot of people go to Thailand and then they come back and they're all, they got beads and they got all this stuff. And it seems sometimes, I mean, if, if these people legitimately had these experiences and feel mm-hmm. this way, then no more power to them. But, but oftentimes it comes off very fake. It's Instagram. I did something better than you. It? You know what I mean? Yeah. I did something and now I'm on a higher plane. So what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Like religious tourism? Yeah, um, because that's it's, a good it's different yeah. because like temples are a big tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Grand mosques are the t- right. Buddhist temples. Right. Well, like the the uh, Grand Mosque of Putrajaya, the big pink mosque in Malaysia. I've been there mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's beautiful, but it is definitely a tourist attraction. And I mean, the temples here are as well. They sell tickets, you know, and, and that's how they fund themselves. They sell tickets to tourists and they sell amulets and things. And which I, I mean, have some. It, I, I do. I, I, it certainly depends where you are. But here in Thailand, mm-hmm. I think that's. 
It's their choice. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're selling these things themselves. They're inviting people there. You know, and the government is always having these sort of like um, promotions, like, you know, visit nine temples for good luck. And they'll, have, they'll put out these maps of temples that you're supposed to visit. And I think it depends where you are. And it also is a difference, I think, because it is the majority religion here. It's not so much like you are, I don't know, like I, it would feel a little bit different if you were going somewhere where it wasn't the majority religion. It, it, it doesn't you know feel I mean? like gawking, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, like You're exactly. not looking at the at the the different people. Right. What, what worries me is how quickly it can become, ooh, look at the weird people with their weird ways kind right. of thing. You know it's about I mean? your mindset too. <laughs> Our favorite story, when we were at the Golden Mount, that lady stopped the monk. She was like, excuse yes. me, are you a real monk? He's like, yes. What? No, they're not I'm, cosplayers. I'm... <laughs> he was like, yes. <laughs> It's like, who on earth would just wear a monk costume? That would be like me putting on like, like a priest's vestment collar. And like yeah. And like out walking a around a Catholic. Yeah. Just wandering the grounds of a church. <laughs> yeah. I just can't fathom what she was thinking. Like, why wouldn't he be a real monk anyway? It's not. And I think that's more of what I wanted to talk about today. We, we kind of got off track and we're ranting. No, no, that's, that's rambling. Is more like, what are what are your thoughts on people using these things as an attraction? Obviously, certain places are different than others, but just so from like a Thai experience. And yeah, I know it's all going to boil down to kind of why you're doing it. That's what it is. I think it's mindset, isn't it? Religion and spirituality is such a significant part of a culture. And genuinely, you cannot understand Thailand if you don't understand the religion. You cannot take Buddhism out of Thailand. You cannot separate the two. So if you actually are coming here and you genuinely want to get deep in the culture and understand the culture and understand the people and see what is Thailand, you have to understand the religion. So I think that if that's your intention, then I think it's good. And I think that people understand that and, and welcome it and invite it. I think if your intention is that, again, Instagram spirituality, just to show off for your friends, eat, pray, love, I think that's not cool. The people that stand in front of the temple, they stand on one leg, they put their hands in front of them like they're praying oh, yeah. for yeah, a picture. Yeah, yeah. You see that all the time. Or people that like go to a temple and start doing yoga. It's like, that's not what are you doing? the that's place, not, not the time or place for it. It's weird and it's disrespectful. It's like I wouldn't go and start doing Pilates at a church. <laughs> you should just start showing up to any church and just like start doing... Like jazzercise. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. Because I know for me, when I first came to Thailand, I wasn't seeking anything. Mm -hmm. I was coming to visit you. Mm -hmm. I was coming to experience a new country for the first time in my life, really. None of that crossed my mind. None of, none of the kind of trying to understand the spirituality and the culture of the place crossed mm -hmm. my mind. The second time, it was on my mind when I came back. And I very much wanted to kind of dive deeper into it. And that's that's sort of when I, I felt more comfortable letting myself, like, what am I, what are the like words I'm looking for? Experience it, sort of? Yes, like experience it, like accept it as mm -hmm. an experience without a voice in my head of like, oh, am I doing this wrong? Oh, am I offending anyone? Oh, am I doing this kind of thing? Because for me, that's a very big concern. I don't want to go somewhere and inadvertently offend someone. Yeah, especially in a place as important as a temple of any kind. Right. And it's to me, it's more a very spiritual, not so much religious. Yeah, it's very much like this. This has a lot of meaning to it. And there's no I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I know what you're saying. What is your mindset? What is your reason for doing this? And I just think that even if you don't know, I think just keeping an open mind, right? Don't look at it as something exotic. Just look at it as a learning experience. Look at it as a way mm -hmm. to be invited in because it is such an intrinsic and deep part of a culture. And religion is so special and important to so many people. It's a really great honor, I think, to be allowed to 
join in a religious ceremony or visit some you know religious site or some spiritual site. Yes. And I think just be respectful about it, even if you don't know what's going on. You know, even if you don't understand oh, it, just, yeah. as long as you're being respectful and have an open mind. Like when you get smacked with a tree branch full of water. By a monk. I don't know what was going on, but it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some of these places then. Let's talk about mm -hmm. some spiritual experiences that we've had when traveling in the U.S. or abroad. Why don't you go first? Why don't we each come up? We can yeah, take yeah. turns. Let's alternate. For me, my favorite one, there was one time, I mean, the Golden Mount's always nice. You do the the incense mm -hmm. and the... Yeah. Thing like that but for me that's that's that wasn't so much a i enjoyed doing the thing and i felt it was like it was a it was a cool thing to do and a cool thing to experience but how crowded it was it was kind of busy you know yeah. what i mean there was the do you remember that little temple that we found when we were just wandering around bangkok and it was just we just turned off and it was all of a sudden you were like in the jungle oh yeah it's uh, what patum over by Siam paragon is that what it and yeah it was like it's like was a nobody... forest in there yeah. it's it's in between two giant shopping malls in the middle of this busy part of the city mm -hmm. but it's like this really quiet peaceful yeah forest. there was nobody there and all you could hear was wind and like the prayer flags flapping and some bells mm -hmm. and stuff like that and to me it's it's those quiet areas that feel the most special yeah the second time when i went back to golden mount by myself I was one of like eight people there and I was just sitting on the top listening to the chimes and the wind and everything yeah. else. And to me, that's that's much more meaningful than almost anything. And it's not even necessarily, it's not a ritual, it's not anything. It's just sort of, for lack of a better term, centering myself. Right. And that's something I really do get behind is the, the kind of meditation aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. As for the US, I don't really look for it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that's my fault. Or maybe it's a failing of mine to not look for it. But I think with how everything is currently in the U.S., I avoid religion almost. Mm -hmm. There's that. So, so tell me about one of yours. Well, this is not recently, but when I was in that world religion class, you know, we had to go to lots of different places of worship. Um, we went to a mosque uh, on Friday night. We went to a synagogue for a service. One of the most interesting ones for me was we went to the uh, Native American church in Waco, which is a Baptist church. But it's the Native American church, and they incorporated some of their traditions and practices in with the worship service, which was fascinating. I thought that was such a cool experience, and I was really grateful that they allowed us to come and, and join them for that. In Thailand or just abroad here, I love traveling to religious sites. I think it's so interesting to go to different countries and, and encounter that. Uh, the Pink Mosque of Putrajaya in Malaysia, it's giant. It's fantastic, even though it's kind of a touristy site. It's still an just an incredible, awe-inspiring place to see. Um, I don't know if you have you ever seen pictures of that. I have not. It's in Kuala Lumpur. Here, I'll, I'll type that out for you in, in the chat. Pink Mosque of Putrajaya. Oh yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I have seen pictures of it. It's incredibly beautiful. Amazing architecture. And when I walked in there, they they had some employees, some staff that were working around, kind of like tour guides that worked at the mosque. And I remember this woman coming up and, and talking to me and she was like, Hey, do you know anything about, about Islam? And I said, oh, yeah, I took a, I took, actually I took a Islamic studies course in university as well. And we just had this great conversation. And she was like, well, you know, you know, she was, she was like, where are you from? You know, what, what do you do around here? Um, older woman, super nice lady. And uh, she was like, oh yeah, you know, in, in Muslims, we believe in Jesus and, and all this stuff. And she was like talking about how um, she's like, you know, we just really want everyone here that comes here to know. And she had this like this board that was put up inside the mosque with all these verses from the Quran that were like denouncing terrorism, denouncing killing, commanding from Muhammad Muslims to protect people of the book, Christians and Jews. Like you shouldn't, you never kill, don't kill a Jew, basically is what it was saying. And she was like saying, it's, you know, so important to us. There's so many negative feelings about Muslims in the world nowadays, but we really want everyone that comes here to know this is totally against everything we believe. 
This is totally against what our scriptures say. She and I just had this amazing conversation. And, it, and I think that's really what it comes down to, these personal connections with people when you're traveling. Right. Of course, I never thought that. I never thought that about Muslims anyway. Like I said, I grew up with a lot of people that were Muslim at school. And I just, you know, of course, I know that extremists are totally different than true believers. Mm -hmm. Same in Christianity, same in any religion, same with those um, extremist monks in, in Burma that are committing genocide, right? It's not yeah. representative of the beliefs of the religion, but we just had such a great conversation. And that was one of the best experiences for me here in Thailand, uh, of course, just going to the temples, getting blessings all the time. That's always fun. I went with a, a group, a meetup group one time to a meditation course led by a monk, which was a lot of fun. I'm terrible at meditating, but, but you know, it was still good. It was still great. And I, I got something out of it. I, I learned a lot and it was still that personal connection with people. Yeah. And I think I'm that's... not good at it unless I have other kinds of substances, <laughs> you know, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a couple beers, y'all. Yep. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about something that yeah. Yeah. it's kind of switching gears a little yep. bit. I think it's important to say that people are just people. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what religion or lack thereof you are. I think everyone on earth, for the most part, obviously excluding extremists, sure. want the same things. Everybody wants to be happy, healthy, and content. And because I've taken some religion studies courses in like sociology of religion and psychology of religion, they all boil down to the same thing. Be kind. But yes. From a religious standpoint, I think the world would be a much better place if we all focused on how our similarities rather than our differences. And I know that's a talking point that people like to use to justify bigotry. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. People like to say, oh, if we focused on how we're the same and not how we're different. And I was like, yeah, but you're different as you like hate people. And that's not okay. Right. Yeah. What is it? The paradox of tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. A truly tolerant society can't tolerate intolerance or something Correct. like that. Yeah. It is a paradox. However, yeah. I don't care. Love each other, everybody. And when you're traveling and when you're in different places, just be respectful. And I think people yes. are, are going to be willing to open up their hearts and, and share their spirituality with you if you're respectful to them, mm -hmm. right? Almost everybody wants to talk about something. Yes. And if they think you are genuinely interested and not just doing it for views or doing it for, like, if they think you are gen genuinely want to learn about their culture or their mm -hmm. religion, mm -hmm. they're going to be more than happy to talk to you. I think there's no. wisdom to be learned in every faith tradition in the world, right? If you look for it, <laughs> it's there. There's something that you can learn. And I think that when you're traveling, it's such a great way to encounter the culture. And it's such a great way to open your mind and broaden your horizons and learn about new places. I think it's great. I mean, I'm probably more pro-religion than a lot of people are. I just think it's fascinating. It's something I've always mm -hmm. been fascinated in. That's why I took so many classes in it. You know, for me, I'm not anti-religion. I personally am not religious. I'm not an atheist but I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. I think that at its core, religion helps people. I'm also not excluding or not trying to say that these harmful voices use, people use religion to do harm all the time. It happens all over the world. It's happening in the United States. Yep. It's, it's people use religion to justify bigotry. That I am very anti. If you use your religious views to hurt or oppress other people, I am very anti that. <laughs> yes, agreed. I don't know what we were trying to get to in this one. You know, I, I just be I respectful mean, when you travel. Be respectful. Yeah, I think sites. that's what it is. Be respectful and um, do your research before you go as well. You know, see what you're allowed to do. See, there's a lot of things you can do at a Buddhist temple in Thailand, but don't walk into a Buddhist temple with a sleeveless shirt, even if you're nope. a man, a tank top or something like that. It's just not appropriate. And certain ones are stricter than others. 
exactly and and just follow the culture even if you personally don't agree with it like james i know you clearly have no problem with tattoos but if you went to japan you just have to cover them up if you went into a shrine mm-hmm. it's just the way it would be it just, might be a little bit annoying but you'd have to respect the culture and you know right. anyone else would have to do the same thing to be polite that's all and i think for me also if you do end up in some place where maybe they ask you to leave mm-hmm. or something like that which very well might happen Maybe not in Thailand, but maybe rural parts of Thailand, they might ask you to leave. Don't get offended. Just leave. It's not worth the argument. Just like that one restaurant that refused to serve us. <laughs> right. We just left. <laughs> Still don't know what was going on with that. I don't whatever. know. I don't, I'm not sure it was a restaurant. I think it was just some lady's house. <laughs> <laughs> we just walked into like her garage. But everybody love each other. Yeah. Respect each other. Yep. And we'll all be good. So, this one's kind of nice. It's very environmentally friendly. Okay. A California company turns recycled shower and sink water into beer. Huh. Yeah. That It sounds gross on the outset, but I don't know why. It does. <laughs> a California company parlayed its water recycling expertise into the creation of a beer made from a San Francisco residential building's wastewater. Mm. Mm. So, it's Epic Cleantech. It's a San Francisco-based water treatment company partnered with Devil's Canyon Brewing. To create Epic One Water Brew, a Kolsch-style ale made using recycled water. Well, never mind. It's not. It's not for sale. I'm out. I just did. <laughs> but, but still, I mean, I think that's interesting. And we've talked about how important environmentalism is for mm-hmm. adventure before. In fact, I think we should have an episode about like ecotourism and environmental travel, environmentally oh, conscious should. travel. I think that'd be a good one to have in the future as well. But any of these things, every little bit helps, right? Everything we can do to make the world slightly better helps. You know, last week, water off the tip of Florida hit 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That is hot tub water. That's yeah, what my parents keep their hot tub at. It's bleaching corals. Yeah. It's, yep. And, it's and James, you, you know this. When we were at my parents' hot tub. We could only stay in there for, you know, 20 yeah, it minutes or hot. so. It's real hot. 100 degrees is awful. It's cooking fish. Literally, there's like thousands of dead fish washing up on the shore of Florida. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's so we terrible. need to do our part to make the world a little bit less bad right now. This is a kind of example that I think a lot of people would think is very gross. Mm-hmm. However, we recycle our water. Like all yeah, the water you use do. goes back into the water system and wastewater goes back into it. And very little water is gone. Course. It's in a system, and you wash your dishes, you goes down the sink, your dishwasher, your toilet, your shower, everything mm-hmm. goes down the drain, goes back into the thing, gets treated mm-hmm. back into the thing. And especially out here in the Western United States, water is becoming a very, very big issue. Long story short, we're running out of water out here. And something like this, I'm, I'm cool with it. I am too. What I'm I trying would... to say is... It's not for sale due to recycled wastewater not being allowed in commercial beverages or something like that. Just laws and things like that. I get get it. However, I'm all for it. We're rapidly reaching a point where water in a lot of the country is going to be scarce. And there has to be ways to use what we do have for as long as possible. And if making beer out of it helps, by all means, you save water and you made beer. I'm hey, cool I feel I feel the same way about that as I do with like 3D printed meat. You know, I'm not vegetarian, mm-hmm. but I do try to limit my meat. And I'm not going to give it up, but if there are great options that were more ethical and more environmentally friendly, 
I would go for that you from know? time to time. Same with like insect flour. I don't really care if flour is made from crickets. I don't care. No. Like, you know, I've tried doesn't... crickets. They're fine. Yeah, we, we've, we have a video of us eating silkworms together, James. Yeah. <laughs> They're not great. You know, I mean, I don't want to eat them as a meal, but as like an ingredient, I don't really care. I'm not overly bothered by it if it's more environmentally friendly. Exactly. But yeah, like cricket flour or the question of would lab grown meat be vegan? I mean, I would for me, I don't I, I'd say fine. I don't care. I mean, I know but like, I, I, I eat meat anyway. So like I would <laughs> I know obviously yeah. I eat meat. I'm not yeah. a vegan, but I guess it's it, like a philosophical thing. It is. It is. Well, it's kind of like the thing like should a vegan buy a secondhand leather jacket? A lot of vegans won't. A lot of them will, though. A lot of them will say, like, I didn't I didn't buy it firsthand. It's better to buy it secondhand because leather does last a lot longer than synthetic materials. It is natural. It is actually better for the environment. If it's already been made and already been bought, you're not buying it new, so you're not giving money to the company. Yeah, it's like an ethical issue. It is an ethical issue. Or like a moral issue. <laughs> and you and I, we don't, like, again, we don't really have the perspective because we both eat meat. <laughs> I eat meat. I'm not going to give up meat. No, but, but I also I would, I would be. I'd be fine with lab-grown. Meat. I would be too. Absolutely, I would be totally fine with that. Care. I mean, already as it is, I try to go for like you know the Impossible Burger or something like that when it's an option. Oh yeah, I think it tastes. I wish they didn't cost as much. They taste good. But that's an interesting question. If here's a philosophical question for our viewers: Would lab-grown meat? What's the definition of vegan? I believe it's like no animal products at all. So it would still technically be okay. It I mean, would not be vegan. It would not be, but the original wouldn't be. But the this says a person who does not eat any food derived from animals. Right. So like vegans can't eat honey or right. And so lamb grown meat does use cells mm-hmm. to start the process. So therefore, it would be an animal cell. So it's still derived from. What if you could kill one cow, and you could feed everyone forever by cloning it eternally? Uh, again, I'm not a vegan. I don't know. <laughs> James, here's a question. You're on a trolley and there's one cow. Type. Oh, no. <laughs> not the trolley questions. No, you no. know what? We got a couple of minutes. Best trolley questions. The title of this one is Philosophy Should Be Banned. A trolley full of your loved ones is heading down the tracks and will hit another loved one. If you redirect it, it will hit three strangers, but all of your loved ones will be fine. However... There's another person on the other side of the tracks with the same problem. If you both choose to redirect the trolleys, they will crash in the middle, killing everyone. The least amount of people will die if you do nothing and allow a loved one to die. The best case scenario for you occurs if you pull your lever and the other person does not. And the worst case is if you both pull the levers. I mean, philosophy has its place, but I feel like they're becoming deliberately obnoxious Mm -hmm. at that point. Oh no, the Marty McFly problem. What's that? You're a time traveler. A runaway trolley is heading to kill five people. This is just the time travel paradox. Uh-huh. If you pull the lever, only one will die, but the person that will die is your grandfather and your parents haven't been born yet. Do you pull the lever? <laughs> well, If you pull the lever, he dies. You... you weren't there to pull the lever, but yeah. if, you, if he lives, you were there to pull the lever. I'm a big believer so in the closed... Time... I, I think time is a closed loop. Time is a closed loop. You can't go... You can't, you can't change You it. can't change the past. Oh man, I don't know, James. The best rebuttal to the trolley problem I ever heard was the the surgeon problem, right? Have you heard that that version of it? No. Should a surgeon murder one healthy person to put their organs in three sick patients? And of course you'd say no. Of course not. A surgeon shouldn't go murder someone to harvest their organs. It's the same thing as the trolley problem, right? The best thing to do is do nothing. Yes. You know, eventually at some point, yeah, 
it's just more personal if it's actually murder and organ harvesting, isn't it? Well, it's just <laughs> like at what point, it's just like my favorite question, my favorite archaeological philosophical question is at what mm -hmm. point does it switch from grave robbing to archaeology? It's a fine line, my friend. A thousand years. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, that's not true because I would call the Egyptian, yeah, I'd call that grave robbing if you're like raiding a, a pyramid. It depends. <laughs> it all depends. Now, my speciality if you could even call it so i have an mm -hmm. undergrad was stone tools not grave goods i'm kind of the mind that any grave good is still grave robbing no matter mm -hmm. how old it is some people say that if the body is completely gone or like if it's just bones yeah because like at what okay. point is it more worthwhile to preserve it for mm -hmm. our heritage our future which is why which right. is why like egypt is so hard because they're mummies so they're still mm. there yeah, yeah. Whereas like a skeleton's a skeleton. Because even a mummy, you saw the like human anyway. Um <laughs> we'll stay we'll stay on in a minute um afterwards because I have funny, funny trolley problems. Okay. All um, right. But let's, well, let's wrap you, this up. Why don't you wrap this up? Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to us, whatever <laughs> that was. If you enjoyed the show today, please do not forget to subscribe and consider us giving us a review. Five stars if you're feeling nice. Or if you want to be honest. Anyone you feel like we deserve. But pro you, you shouldn't be, though. You shouldn't be honest. You shouldn't. You should lie. Be, be nice. Be, please. <laughs> you can find us almost everywhere mm. at Attempt Adventure, www.attemptadventure.com, Instagram, Attempt Adventure, YouTube, Attempt Adventure, mm. yeah. Threads, Attempt Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter is dead. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. Probably not first. I'm sure you've been hearing that for a couple of weeks now. The, <laughs> the social media we never used is dead. <laughs> and good riddance. Good riddance X. I did read a thing that was talking about like mental health and social media. And it said that like people that use Twitter had like way worse mental health just because it's so angry. And, and so like people were so mean all the time on Twitter. Yeah, and it was and saying I've, like, that I've scrolled through threads. A little yeah. bit. It doesn't seem that mean. It doesn't, and it doesn't, but it doesn't grab me. Neither did Twitter. No. The one that was actually best was Instagram because it was just all like nice pictures. It's like, oh, look a bird. You know, it's like, look at that beautiful scenery. Yeah. You know, make sure to share our show with your friends if you like it. And yes, shoot us an email if you have questions, episode ideas, whatever. Hello mm -hmm. at attemptadventure.com or alternatively, go to our website, attemptadventure.com, click the contact us button and type in your little message and we'll get it. Our website's also the best place to find show notes, pictures, blog posts, videos, just good stuff. So definitely check it out. Thanks again, everyone for listening. And until next time, keep adventuring. Keep adventuring. <laughs>